Uh, do we need laws? Okay, Heather thinks we need laws. Do any of you else? <laughs> do we need laws? Every year our country grows older. Do you know the amount of laws grows? Why is that? Because we're getting further and further away from morality as a nation. And we have to enact laws in order to protect the innocent, right? We have to enact laws in order to protect public lands. I mean, isn't it kind of crazy that uh, we have to have a, a law that says do not litter? Otherwise, you're going to get fined $200. Who, who would want to litter? Who wants to trash the place they live? How many of you have ever seen this and it has just infuriated you? And you always think, when there's a cop nearby? I have seen people pull up to a red light, take their ashtray out, open their door, and dump it on the ground and then put it back into their ashtray. And then when the light turns green, it takes, they take off. Something inside of me just goes, wait a second, that's wrong. Well, we have to enact a law now that says do not litter. And it's the threat of punishment that keeps a person obeying and in compliance with society. Or how about, uh, why do we have to have laws about mechanics that they have to give you a good faith estimate? Because there were some mechanics that were ripping people off, right? Or how about the ordinance that you can't play your music loudly at 2 a.m. in the morning with all your neighbors around. Well, isn't it just common sense that, hey, if I agreed to fix your car, this is what it's going to cost? And I agree that I, I believe that I shouldn't trash where I live, or I believe that I would be inconsiderate by playing my music super loud in the middle of the night that it would wake up my neighbors who have to go to up and, and get to work. But we have to enact laws. So laws are all about protecting those that would be taken advantage of. Now, there are good laws, and those are other-oriented. Um, rich or poor, we all have the same equality before the law. Did you read this week about the Florida cop? How many of you read a story on any news channel? Florida cop, his name is Tim Glover. He gave himself a ticket for running a red light. Isn't that awesome? Because he says, you know what? The law says we're not to run lights. Even though I'm a police officer, I'm not going to abuse my authority and I'm going to actually pay the $170 fine for running a red light. And he also got a certificate of citation or whatever in his record. You know? So anyways, but today's text is going to involve the fourth commandment. How many of you know what the fourth commandment is? Heather? No, 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 not, not, not our commandments, oh. the Ten Commandments. Oh. <laughs> You're thinking of the Fourth Amendment. <laughs> no, no improper search and seizures. No, the Fourth Commandment is you are to honor the Sabbath. Now, of all the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath was the only one that was not brought forward into the New Testament. Did you know that? We're no, under obligation to honor the Sabbath. So the Sabbath had a purpose, and we're going we're gonna to find out a little bit more about it today, but the Sabbath started at Friday when the sun went down, and it goes all the way to Saturday when the sun goes down. Everything in between is called the Sabbath, and, and we'll read about it in just a, a moment. 
And uh, well, and we may talk a little bit more about why the Sabbath. Oh, we, I tell you what, we will talk about why the Sabbath is not kept by Christians. And it was only for the Jewish nation. But all other nine commandments are moral in nature. But uh, the Sabbath is, is one that was not really a moral uh, thing. Now, here's the background on the, on the Sabbath. It predates Moses. In fact, it was established in the very, very beginning. If you were to open your Bible and turn to chapter 2 of Genesis. Now, you don't need to because I'm going to have it up on the board for you. But you're going to find out when the Sabbath was established. Heather, can you throw that up there? And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, God wasn't tired after six days of creating the earth. It wasn't like he had to, he had to rest. He said, ah, it's done. It's perfect. It's finished. And I'm declaring the seventh day a holy day. Now, a few thousand years later, Moses arrives on the scene. And God is establishing a nation. And not only is he establishing a nation, a nation that has to have civil laws. And this is when, in Exodus, the fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or what? Even your livestock can't pull a plow, can't grind out any wheat. Your livestock have to be at rest. Or the foreigner or the sojourner who is within your gates. If somebody is living with you that doesn't Uh, belong to the country so to speak they too are going to rest now the basic word for the word sabbath the meaning of the word means to cease working rest or inactivity now people were paid daily for their wages back then so you went to work and at the end of the day Ian, i would pay you if you worked for me rock i would pay you if you worked for me Life was so tough that people had to work seven days a week in order to eat. Your daily wage basically bought you enough food to get through the end of the day. And then you had to get up and do it all over again. And you can go to still parts of this world where people are working seven days a week and they live hand to mouth. You've heard that phrase? Hand to mouth means they go work and then they get to eat. And the next day they work and they get to eat. And so this is totally wild that God is instituting this. God says everyone, even the animals, get a day off. Woohoo! How many of you enjoy your day off? Okay, you didn't get a day off back then. In fact, we're going to find out what a, a tremendous blessing and what a gift. Rich, poor, young, old, everybody got a day off. And the day was devoted to the Lord to do nothing. Nothing in relationship to making a living didn't mean you, you had to sit there for 24 hours straight. It meant that you got a chance to rest. Matt, do you like your days off? You need them, don't you? What happens to your marriage when you don't have a day off? No, I'll ask Gina. No, I won't even ask. <laughs> it was God's provision to refresh the body, refresh the spirit, refresh 
the family, refresh the community, even refresh the livestock. And in fact, every 50 years, this is going to blow your mind, was called the year of Jubilee. And the whole year was a Sabbath year where nobody did any work. Could you imagine you got a vacation that was a year long, even the livestock and the land? God said, I want the land to rest. God in his infinite wisdom said, you guys are creation and created beings. You need to rest. And even the ground needs to rest. And it provided a regular time to think, to pray, to meditate, to have great conversations, to read, to study, to mature, to grow, to reflect. And the focus wasn't on making a living. The focus each Sabbath was living. Man, six days a week, I grind it out. I grind it out. But boy, on this seventh day, I get to focus on anything but that. Isn't that awesome? So God says everybody has a day off. And that's when the Pharisees came along. The self-righteous ones. God said the simple command, everybody gets a day off. And the Pharisees turned it into a book of rules. In the Talmud, which is a commentary on the law of Moses, they had 24 chapters designated to describe all the things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. So instead of being a blessing, suddenly the Sabbath suddenly started to be a curse almost. Here were some of the things that you could not do on the Sabbath according to the Pharisees. You couldn't walk more than 3,000 feet from your house. No hikes, no walks out in the garden. You couldn't do that. You were not allowed to carry anything that weighed more than a dried fig. What's that? Two ounces? You got two ounces that you get to carry around? You weren't uh, you couldn't carry a needle for fear that you might sew something. Taking a bath on the Sabbath was forbidden. They said that you might splash water and it might wash the door, and that's work. Um, women were not allowed to look into a mirror because they might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it. This is actual stuff, people. 24 chapters of it. You could write one letter, but not two. Because if you wrote more than a, one letter, then you were working. False teeth that were made of wood or ivory or whatever they made couldn't be worn on the Sabbath if it was heavier than a fig. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? If you got sick, you could only take enough medicine so that you'll live and not die, but not enough to get well. Uh, you couldn't tie a knot. You couldn't sew two stitches together. You could not throw an object up into the air and then catch it. You couldn't play ball with your boy. Couldn't toss the old pigskin. Well, they wouldn't have pigskin. <laughs> they, they would pass around some other thing. You couldn't. Do you know in the year 168 B.C., and you can read this in the Maccabees, the Jewish nation was being bombarded by the Epiphanes and I'm going to mess up his name, Antiochus Epiphanes. And do you know that they attacked him on a Sabbath so the Jews did nothing because it was against the law to do anything? And so they lost over a thousand men, women, children, and livestock because the law said no work. That's not what God's intent was, though, even worse, when Pompey, the Roman general, sacked 
Jerusalem. You know how the Romans sacked uh, 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 or, or took over uh, a city? They would build siege ramps and they would throw up dirt up and against the walls and then they'd carry their walk right over the wall into the, into the city. So what did Pompey do? Only on the Sabbath did he build the ramp. For six days, the, the, the Roman soldiers would play out in the countryside while the people in Jerusalem were starving. On the Sabbath, they'd take all their dirt and lumber and move it against the wall because the Jews weren't going to do anything about it because it was against the law to work. Crazy, isn't it? Now that you know all that wonderful information, now we're going to turn to Mark chapter 2 because today's text talks about the Sabbath and how Jesus and his disciples are, quote, getting in trouble for doing something on the Sabbath. Okay, Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Uh, have you ever done that before? Have you ever got to go and walk in a wheat field and pull the wheat right off the stalk? I guess because I spent so much time in Oklahoma, I, I have done it many times. And you take it and you go like this and you blow the chaff away and then you pop the wheat right into your mouth and you eat it. It is just so much fun to do that. Well, that's what they were doing. And let's go back to the text. But the, the Pharisees were saying to him, that is Jesus, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They're, quote, working. Not only they're walking, but they're harvesting, they're reaping, they're threshing, they're sifting, and they're preparing food. And Jesus, verse 25, said to them, As you have to imagine there's a little sarcasm in Jesus' words. Have you never read? You're supposed to be an expert, a lawyer, you're supposed to know everything about this Old Testament. And he said, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? And he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And verse 27 says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let me tell you what, what Jesus is referring to. He says, hey guys, don't you remember the story of our great, 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 great relatives? Saul, King Saul, was hot to kill David. And he had an army chasing after David. David gets to this little town, this little village called Nob. And it's a village of only priests primarily. And the tabernacle is there. And once a week on Sabbath day, they would bake 12 big loaves of bread. 12 loaves for the 12 tribes of Israel. And they would put it out on the table. And it was called the showbread. And they gave it as an offering to the Lord. And it was called the, the uh, uh, bread of the presence. The presence of God was there. But after seven days, they took the 12 loaves and they put it on another table outside. And the priests could eat it. And then they baked 12 new loaves and put it on, on the table. 
So David gets to the, to the tabernacle and he tells the priest, hey, I'm on an errand. He didn't say what the errand was. The errand was, I'm escaping for my life. And he says, uh, do you have any food? And the priest says, well, the only, only bread we have is this bread over here, but really it's only lawful for the priest to eat. But David says, go ahead and give it to me. I'm going to eat it. So they give him this leftover bread and they leave. Saul comes behind and is so mad that the priests have helped him. He kills 85 priests, all the men, all the women, and all the livestock in the little village of Nob. And you just go, what an insane, crazy guy. But Jesus' point, if God makes allowances for his own law, who in the world do you think you are when you are demanding that we adhere to your traditions and you're calling me on the carpet because my guys are hungry and they just want to eat a little? So not only did David travel on the Sabbath, he ate the showbread and he doesn't get in trouble from God. Why, a legalist would say, a Pharisee would put their hands on their hips and say, why, he broke the law. Because, what? remember what laws are for? About, the, about protecting and the spirit of the law. And so, um, I don't know, did I, did I do the fill in the blanks? No, I'm sorry. Let me, let me do, get to the fill in the blanks. Three. Okay. The first one is the letter of the law. I'm sorry, I got my pages out of order, and you'll just have to bear with me for a second. There are three aspects of the law. The first aspect is the letter of the law. Now, roads, they had roads back then, but they didn't have, and they were only major arteries. So if you had to cut through to get to your property, you actually had to cut through your neighbor's property. Or if you wanted to go from here to El Paso, you're going to cross through a lot of people's yards, right? Or property. And that's what the disciples were doing. So they're going along and they're picking the grain. And the Pharisees are the police because they're all about the letter of the law. And that's the first fill in the blank, the letter of the law. And they saw everything as black and white. And they're like, you are breaking the law. Now, if they were doing it for profit and it was their job, yeah, they would be guilty of breaking the Sabbath, but they're not. Now, in fact, there's a slide, uh, Heather, if you can find it, it's, it's Deuteronomy 23:25. It's after the letter of the law. This is in Scripture. It says this, if you go into your neighbor's standing grain, God says you can pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. In other words, God said, you can go along, and as you're walking, you can go through your neighbor's field and have a little snack. But you can't come in there at night with a sickle and harvest his crop. But God provided a way that people could kind of eat and snack on their journeys because they don't have what we have today. Now, the spirit of the law, there are three aspects. One's the letter of the law. Now we're going to talk about the spirit of the law. When Jesus is sarcastic and he gives them an example of their most beloved hero, David, and we just talked about that. And David traveled on the Sabbath and he ran for his life. He ate the showbread, but he didn't get in trouble because the spirit of any law is about protection. Is it against the law to speed? Charles, do you speed a lot? 
No, you don't speed at all, do you? Did you ever speed? Okay, do you, did, do you think there was ever a time in your life that speeding was, would be okay? And, I, and I'm baiting you, and I'm going to tell you the answer so I don't embarrass anybody. Yes, I'm going to say yes, there are times it's okay to speed. But you're breaking the law. Well, what happens? There's a fire. What happens? Your child is sick. Maybe your wife is pregnant and giving birth in the back seat, and you don't want that, and you want to get to the hospital. Is it okay for a policeman to speed? Is it okay for fire trucks to speed? They're breaking the law, aren't they? Okay, what's the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law is protection. Now, you can't make it a policy to speed all the time. I'm saying that you can be really legalistic and black and white and get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Ian, have you ever been told, never get out of bed at night? Because you have this habit of getting up and getting out and saying, Mom, can I have some water? Mom, I got to do it. And Mom just says, you know what? I want you to stay in bed. That's the rule of the house. When you go to bed, you stay in bed. Okay, that's your rule. That's the law of Mom. Okay, we all understand the law, right? Black and white. Is it okay for him to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom? And all of you said what? But he's breaking mom's law. Is he? Is he breaking the spirit of the law? No, he's not breaking. Mom wanted him to go to bed, right? But she did never intended the law to be so black and white that if he had to get up to use the restroom in the middle of the night that he'd be a fear and afraid to get out of the bed. Do you see that there's the letter of the law and then there's the spirit of the law. And then the third aspect is the motive of the law. That's the third fill in the blank. God's love for man and creation is incredible. God's rules and precepts and laws are are for our benefit and not our punishment. He always tells us the way to live in such a way that we get the most blessing out of life. In Exodus, God tells us the motive behind the Sabbath. In fact, let's throw it up on the board. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. God says, I want you to have the day off so much so that I'm going to provide more food for you so that you don't have to work on that seventh day. That's love. God says, I want to give my nation and make them a difference between the rest of the nations. I'm going to make them take a day off and I'm going to feed them on that day. And that's what he did with the manna. But then it also comes into our life today. Or how about the next slide? It says this, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between me and them that the... that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them or separates them out from the rest of the world. And then in Deuteronomy, going back, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from where there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, do you remember for 400 years you were slaves and you worked 24-7, 24-7. This is to remind you how good I am to you. I'm giving you a day off. Now, now that I'm making you a nation, a nation with laws, I want to protect those who are vulnerable. 
I don't want to see a show of hands, but have you ever worked for a boss that would try to work you to death? Pretty much. You know, laws are to protect the vulnerable, those that, that would be taken advantage of. Remember the old adage, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? So many people think, oh, that's so barbaric. No, 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 no. You don't understand how revolutionary that was in the Old Testament. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was this. And if, if you hit your brother and gouged his eye out, you would go to court. He would take you to court. And you want to gouge out two of his eyes, right? And the court says, no. If you gouged out his eye, then the maximum fairness was to limit the penalty. So it was about limiting the penalty, not increasing it. And it was never designed for personal retaliation. This This was a civil matter. In other words, Pat took my cow. I couldn't then sue him for two cows. No, if you took my cow, decided to have a barbecue, invited everybody but me, and then I found out you took my cow, I would take you to court and say, he owes me a cow. And guess what? The law says, a cow for a cow. You've got to give me a cow. It was limiting. So here Jesus affirms that the Sabbath was given for God's glory and for man's welfare. It was never intended to become the legalistic thing that it became. Now, what does all this mean? Because this is all kind of, why are we talking about the Sabbath and all of that? And this is nice information, but what does it actually mean to my life today? Here it is. This is where the rubber meets the road. There will always be rules and regulations and commands in, in our society and in God's Word. But the letter of the law always leads to legalism. I have several brothers, and we all shared a room together. And my mom one day came in, and we're all in our bunk beds. And my mother comes into my brother Scott and says, did you brush your teeth? And my brother said, yes, I did. Now, us other brothers knew he didn't brush his teeth. And so mom leaves the room, and we're like, you liar! (laughs) I brushed them yesterday. Because mom didn't ask me if I brushed my teeth tonight. She just asked me if I brushed my teeth. Now see, that's a legalist. That's a letter of the law. That's, that's what's happened to our society where people have become so oh, adversarial towards one another. We don't get along with one another and we try to beat each other out by trickery of words. My brother also used to take his face i mean his fingers and his hand and he would go right up to me and go don't touch me don't touch me don't touch me and then of course i would touch him and then he'd hit me because i touched him well see to a legalist i did touch him and so you have to be careful when you come to reading the word of god that you do not become self-righteous and you become a legalist and you start judging people because they're not up to your standards and your extra stuff. You've got to be really careful. Johnny getting out of bed, or Ian falling out of bed, or getting out of bed in the middle of the night, guess what? You didn't break mom's spirit of the law. And if you were to punish him for that, you would be a legalist, right? Now, the spirit of God's law leads to liberty. You don't look at the letter of law, you look at the, the spirit behind the law. 
And it's not situational ethics either. Um, and, and the spirit of the law leads to liberty, the freedom to do the right thing with joy. Um, I don't have to have a sign that warns me that I'm going to get fined $200 if I throw my banana peel out my window traveling down the highway. I don't need that. I'm free from that law. I, I wish that I could live with just 10 laws. And I would be totally set free. Could you imagine you only have 10 rules in your entire house? Wouldn't that be freedom? Because you know how to live. And you are others-oriented. And you don't go to, the, to Walmart and you take your shopping cart and you say, I'm going to take this to the corral. Because the person behind me, if I don't, the wind's going to blow and it's going to smash that new car over there. Now, I don't need a law at Walmart that says you must take your shopping cart back to the corral. But the law, the spirit of the law is, you know what? I don't want this cart to run into your truck. So I'm going to do the right thing. We're going to talk more about that next week and and it's going to be pretty cool. Now, the motive of God's law leads to love, even tough love, confrontational love. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the other is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, those are the, really the only two laws we should need. I don't need a law that says don't rip off your neighbor. Don't, don't speed. Don't do this. Because God has given me just a few simple principles to live by. And it now sets me free. I don't worry about anything. Now, you know why we don't keep the Sabbath? Because Scripture says this, God replaced the rest of one day a week with the permanent rest of Jesus all the time. You get Jesus 24-7. He, according to Hebrews, is our Sabbath rest every day of the week. No longer are we working for salvation, but the work has stopped because Jesus has finished it. And in Colossians it says, let me just read you what it says in Colossians. Let me get there real quick. Colossians says this, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Jesus. If you've got Jesus, you don't have to have a day of rest from the man you have it 24-7. You can be at peace right now on Monday through Sunday. You know, legalism is about me, but grace is all about God. Legalism is all about judging, but grace is about accepting. Legalism is all about pride and doing it on your own, and grace is all about Jesus. Legalism is all about guilt, but grace is all about forgiveness. Legalism is about fear, but really... Grace is about freedom and victory. I love what Eugene Peterson writes. He says, it's really weird, and I'll just paraphrase it. He said, the word Christian means different things to different people. To one person, it means a stiff, uptight, inflexible way of life, colorless and unbending, full of rules and regulations, and the person has no joy and is grumpy and seems to be mad at everybody. That's one kind of Christian. And then he says, the other kind of Christian lives with risk and is about 
being surprised and filled with adventure and lives tiptoed at the expect at, at the edge of expectation. In other words, every new day is a day of joy and adventure and happiness. And he said, now, it's hard to tell because you can go anywhere in the world and find Christians that are this kind and Christians that are this kind. But he says, but if you go to the Bible, the only kind of Christian you find is this kind. This kind is the legalist. The one that, oh, I have to confess. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to, uh, God's, gonna, God's mad at me. If I die, I don't know if I'm going to. Uh, and it's all about my strength. And this guy over here, he's just happy to be part of the crowd. He's just happy because he knows that God loves him. He knows that he has died to self and growing in Christ. He is filled with not fear. These people are filled with fear and pride. These people are filled with joy. Ah, and so Jesus is saying, hey, man, what kind of, what kind of person are you? Are you a, a rule keeper and a policeman and a legalist? Or do you realize that God has given you a freedom to be joyous and that you can live your life without fear? I want to live this kind of life. Now, I'm not perfect at it. But I want to live here. I want every day to be an adventure with Jesus. I want every day to be filled not with rules and regulations, but the freedom to live a life that I can be creative in. To, to wake up the day and say, Jesus, what are we going to do today? Not, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that and I got to do this and people are going to be mad at me and people are going to judge me and I'm not going to do... And, and if I do this... Are, are you with me on this, or am I making sense only in my little brain? I want you to realize that God has come and said, I'm your Sabbath. You don't have to work anymore to try to please me, and I have provided, just like you provided for the extra food on that day, I have provided a new life for you. But you have to grab a hold of it. You can't just go back to the old routine. You've got to grab hold of it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have truly become our Sabbath rest and that we don't have to work at pleasing you anymore, that we just get to play in front of you. Every day can be a day off. Every day can be a day off for us. Help us to realize that in our attitude and our countenance. And we just want to say we love you. In Christ's name, amen.